Hey everybody, Mark Dawes here. And I just want to ask you this question, you know, what do you think the liability is if a trainer, someone like me, in our position, with our degree of trust and influence, was intentionally providing equipment for an organisation that we knew was not fit for purpose, as opposed to actually providing the equipment that would be fit for purpose? Well, that's an interesting question I want you to consider for a moment. But before we go any further, I just want to show you the Health and Safety Work Act. And in particular, I want to show you Section 6 of that Act. So bear with me as I just scroll down here. You can see there's the Act of Parliament there. And I'm just going to scroll down here to Section 6 because this is really important because it has to do with the manufacture and supply of equipment. And there's Section 6 there. Now, the reason I'm showing you this is I'm going to show you some correspondence in a second that I've had with the organisation that actually supplies the equipment in, in question. Section 6, general duties of manufacturers, etc., as regards articles and substances for use at work. It shall be the duty of any person who designs, manufactures, imports or supplies any article for use at work or any article of fairground equipment, a. to ensure so far as is reasonably practicable that the article is so designed and constructed that it will be safe and without risk to health at all times when it is being set, used, cleaned or maintained by a person at work, b to carry out or arrange for the carrying out of such testing and examination as may be necessary for the performance of the duty imposed on him by the preceding paragraph. And it goes on, and you can read this in your own time, but basically it's putting a duty, a legal duty, on a manufacturer to make sure that the equipment is fit for purpose that they are supplying for use, and it also includes having a manual of guidance, etc. Now, if something happens, and we've had this with the Thomas Orchard case, then the HSC can investigate. And when the HSC now investigate for breaches of duty of care, they can charge you a fee for investigation. So if there is a breach of a duty of care, a negligent breach that leads to someone being injured, they will charge you, as you can see there, £129 an hour for that investigation. And if while they're investigating you, they come across another breach, then they'll start another investigation and charge you an additional £129 an hour. And it goes on and it goes on. Okay, so why am I telling you all this stuff? Well, it came to my attention recently that a trainer in our profession was providing beanbags for use in a trust, and these beanbags are not fit for purpose. Now, you all know me by now, and you know that I recommend certain pieces of equipment. You know, I recommend the soft restraint belts and the soft restraint kit and the soft restraint cuffs, and I recommend the safety pods. Now, the only reason I recommend them, and I'm going to declare right now, I have no financial interest in recommending this kit at all. I get no commission. There's no backhanders going on. Uh, and I wouldn't take them even if I was offered because I think it's unethical. It would create a bias. The only reason I recommend that kit is all of it has been industry tested and it's been medically reviewed as being fit for purpose. Now, someone, and this person I'm going to talk about, knows that there is kit out there that is fit for purpose, but they've decided to go and recommend something else. And it's basically a beanbag. So I got in touch with the manufacturer because potentially I wanted to know, you know, is this thing fit for purpose and what testing has it had? Because it's come to our attention we're across one of my clients that this stuff was being actually offered to them, should I say. So I wrote to the manufacturer and I said this. I said, can you provide me with a manual of guidance or any evidence that shows how the beanbag can be safely used for a straining of patient or service user? Now, you've seen already under the Health and Safety at Work Act that they have to do this. The company, we are aware, now bear this in mind, we are aware of some NHS trusts and private specialists using our beanbags for patient restraint, but it's not something that we have documented at all. If you are in contact with this person from this healthcare at all, 
that person X is one who has used them successfully. So straight away the company knows that someone is buying their beanbags for use for restraint because they've identified it to me in this email here. But this, and so they should have a manual of guidance there, there along with that and it should be tested as fit for purpose. Okay, me. I'm aware that some NHS trusts are using the X beanbag for restraint and we wouldn't expect you to document that. However, what we do need is some form of manufacturer statement and or manual of guidance that states that the X beanbag is an appropriate piece of work equipment for restraining service users and patients on. This is normal practice for other pieces of equipment such as soft restraint belts, handcuffs, emergency response cuffs, etc. And post the recent death where a piece of equipment was used, there was an investigation by the health and safety inspectorate who insisted on seeing the documentation and the manual of guidance provided by the manufacturer that stated that the equipment was suitable for the intended purpose of restraint and also how it should and should not be used with examples of techniques were appropriate. Therefore, I would really appreciate it if your company could provide, provide me with one, a definitive statement that the beanbag can be used as an appropriate piece of work equipment for the purpose of restraining patients stroke service users on and a manual of guidance for its use for the purpose of restraining patients and service users on. Company. The beanbag that we manufacture was designed for a seating product, not a restraint tool. The fact that some NHS trusts are using our beanbag for restraint has come from each trust individual process. We haven't recommended the beanbag for restraint and only provided a sample for them to trial and the PMBA teams to prove it, if be so. Company. This is totally down to each trust's discretion and risk management. We don't have any statements or manual guide that states that the beanbag manufactured by, by themselves is appropriate for restraint because this, as mentioned above, is down to each trust's discretion and approval. Now the problem is, they know. Because when I contacted them about it, they openly said in an email, which you've just seen the content of, that if I wanted to know more about how they could use their beanbag for the purpose of restraint to contact this particular individual at this healthcare trust who was restraining patients on their beanbag. So here's the issue I've got with this, is this person is a person of influence. They know that there's equipment out there that's, that's fit for purpose, that's industry tested and medical reviewed. They've intentionally chosen not to actually recommend that equipment to their, to their clients, and they've gone for a piece of furniture that is not designed for restraining patients and service users on. And they're, they're recommending this to, to the training staff who are then having to buy it because they feel that they, they're obligated to do so, but they're actually buying equipment that is increasing the vicarious liability of the organization they work for because it's not fit for purpose and it doesn't come with all the safeguards that the Health and Safety Work Act and Act of Parliament says it must. Here's my issue with this. That trainer, like me, has influence and I think this is a massive breach of trust. I also think there's a massive conflict of interest here, you know, and you know, it's got to be negligent and fraudulent because if someone falls off that, that piece of kit, because it is a one-size-fits-all type beanbag, it's not like the safety pod where there's lots of different sizes, and it's not like the soft restraint kit which can be adapted for use. It is a one-size-fits-all stuff, and as the company have stated now, it is not intended for restraint. So I just wanted to leave you with that. But look, you know, from me, 
if you are an organization and you are looking for equipment that reduces you know restrictive practices that reduces the risk of floor restraints that that sits comfortably with everything we do then go and look at what doug meter at safer handling's got go and look at what palkesh at uk safety pods has got those pieces of kit are absolutely fit for purpose and that's why we recommend them no other reason okay and as i've said to you right at the beginning i have no financial incentive on this i have no bias one way or the other i only provide kit that is fit for purpose and complies with the law and as doug and palkesh know if something else came along that was better i'd recommend that too so that's all i wanted to say for now but i just want to get this out there because i hope no one falls foul of using you know a piece of equipment that's not fit for purpose because someone has recommended it knowing that there's better equipment out there have a great weekend guys you know and and just be safe and if you you know if you wish to share this you know feel free to do so speak to you all soon thank you